Here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Jared Justice behind the wheels of steel. Your boy Q here with you till 3.30. Then we'll make way for Aces basketball as they'll take on the Connecticut Sun. You'll hear T.C. Martin on the call again. Uh, the broadcast starts at 3 o'clock, or 3.30, I should say, and the uh, tip-off is at 4 o'clock. Join us now on the phone lines. Feels kind of weird because I didn't have a custom intro for him because, well, we came out the top of the hour. Is our good friend Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. And, Paul, I apologize. No custom intro for you. <laughs> All good, man. You know, stuff happens, uh, you know, breaking news happens, and you just got to kind of adapt on the fly, right? Yeah, exactly right. Got to adapt on the fly, and we're going to do that. And I-, I wanted to ask you, you're there at Mandatory Minicamp. I didn't get to hang out long because I had to be on the air at a certain time, a little bit different than normal. Divine Diablo, I know he spoke with you guys. We just heard from him a few minutes ago. Uh, his- he's obviously bigger. How-, how how comfortable do you think, just from talking to him, did he feel in that role that he's going to be playing this year? Well, he said it himself, that he feels a lot more confident. And it's not so much the physical aspect of it. He said before OTA started, he was at 225, got himself up to 238, and now he's walking around at 234, and he wants to stay between 230 and 235 to still keep that speed. And, and that's the other thing about him that's intriguing is, you know, the guy's a converted safety. So he, he's a ball hawk, so to speak. He, he's got that, that laser focus towards the ball. And, and you saw that early on last year anyways in terms of tackling. He was in the top eight in, in terms of tackles per game. Uh, before he got injured. So just his mentality being, you know, quote-unquote honored with the green dot, I mean, that's that's going to do a lot to to uh, to raise anybody's confidence anyways. But he looks a lot more confident, and, and he said as much when he was talking to us. So, so that's a good thing. Again, we're talking uh, the NFL in, in June, right. but uh, that's where he is right now. So that, that's a good sign right there. What are your thoughts on the rest of the linebacking room? They brought in Robert Spillane from Pittsburgh as a free agent, and he's also been reported to have a green dot. And I heard Devon Diablo say all the linebackers have been told to hold on to the green dot or they can have an opportunity to wear that. How do you think he fits in with this group? He's kind of the guy that's the run stuffer, right? I mean, and that's the thing. You and I talked about this going into the draft. We would have been happy if they had drafted 10 linebackers because they needed that many because the room was so bare, the cupboard was so bare. But if they're basically their base defense is a nickel, you only need the two linebackers, so to speak. Devine is that converted safety. He's the coverage linebacker. And Spillane is that run-stuffing linebacker. So if everything goes to plan, that's what those two guys' main roles will be. And, again, the green dot is the green dot. And, and that's what, what Devine spoke about. Was that he thought it was actually cool because when he was younger, he played quarterback. Right. And now that he gets to wear the green dot on defense, that's kind of the quarterback of the defense. So it's kind of come full circle for him, so to speak, in that aspect. So I know that you know you guys were out there and you were able to see practice for a couple hours. You're not going to see anything massive, but was there anything that kind of stood out to you from mandatory minicamp that may have looked a little different than what we saw from OTAs? You know, on the negative side, and again, we're two or three football fields away watching what's going on down on the other side, which is okay, that's fine. You know, i got to bring my binoculars next time. But I noticed on the negative side, there were a lot of balls hitting the ground. You didn't see a lot of those during the OTA practice that we watched the past few weeks. Uh, a lot of balls getting dropped, a lot of balls through the fingers, things like that. On the positive side, there was a phenomenal catch made by Tarset on the deep ball from Brian Hoyer. Um, and it was one of those highlight reels where you look up and go, wait a minute, was that 17? No, that was 11. Right. Okay, let's, let's, let's figure out who that was, look it up. Okay, there was the prettiest catch I've seen in a long time. And again, as you and I have spoken, it seems that these practices in OTAs and mandatory minicamp, they're a lot faster. They're not physical, because mm-hmm. that would be breaking rules, right? right? But they're a lot faster <laughs> than anything we saw last year, which speaks to the learning curve and what these guys already know coming back into the same systems for a second consecutive year. So do you have any idea what corner was covering Dorsett, or at least attempting to cover Dorsett? You know what? It couldn't really get make that make that out because we're all trying to find who number eleven was. Right, was the deep ball down the left side. So we're like, who was that? Who was that? And then by the time you, you focus back on the other side, they're gone or they're back back lined up in the huddle. So couldn't really make it out. But but it was a real real pretty catch. It was an over the shoulder kind of a thing where where he kind of took it away from the cornerback. It was nice. Again, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Necessary roughness talking about mandatory minicamp that got underway today. And Paul, how big of a difference do you think it's going to be with this coaching staff and these returning players from? year one with Josh McDaniels to year two? Well, continuity is huge. And the most important thing is, you know, you, you got to learn how to win. And if you take the previous two seasons, you know, the season before when they go 10-7 and seven, uh, with the Gruden things, the Henry Ruggs things, the Damon Arnett things, and they still go to the playoffs and then they bring in a new system. And, and it seemed like two years ago, everything that could go wrong, I mean, everything that could go right did go right for them. Last year, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Now they're just trying to find some place in the middle. So when you're looking at that continuity, you've got to learn 
how to win, and that becomes contagious. And I think that's their biggest um, object or their biggest uh, objective, actually. This this uh, off season and through minicamp and things like that, it's just figuring out how to win, how to be successful, and how to handle that success. Because last year you saw with so many blown leads and mm-hmm. so many slow starts, they didn't really figure it out. At least now with some continuity that can be taken into the equation as well. You know, it's funny. We started the whole show, and I was talking about the conversations we had last uh, offseason around this time where Josh McDaniels was talking about finding out how uh, not to beat yourself, right? you got to learn how not to lose before you can learn how to win, and that's something that we talked about for weeks, and they were pretty penalty-free in the preseason, no turnovers, they went undefeated, then all of a sudden the regular season came and it all went to hell. And it's like penalties, turnovers, (laughs) losses, what was going on. How much of that do you think is going to be kind of the theme of this training camp, and can they actually turn that into preseason success and then all of a sudden go into regular season success? Well, to me, it depends upon how many of the actual starters are playing in the preseason, right? right. Because yep. none of them played except for Josh Jacobs in that Hall of Fame game. So I don't know if you can really judge that by based on what happens in preseason games because you're right. They, they were pretty clean, but those weren't the starters that were playing. Right. So once the games became real, then it got really real, you know, and that's mm-hmm. when, when, when keeping it real goes bad. So right. it yeah. went bad quick. So the, to me, that's, that's the biggest thing is just these guys being together. And, and to me, my biggest takeaway is just how much faster it seems they're practicing in terms of it's never going to be game speed, but it looks a lot faster than anything we saw last year. To me, that's only a positive. I agree 100%. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest here at Red Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness. Jared's got one for you. So I know he's not out there. He's one of the uh, he's the missing one, so to speak. But uh, do you have any expectations on the usage of Josh Jacobs this year? Yeah, and that that's the interesting thing. And I did ask Josh McDaniels about that earlier today. Is he basically they have a ninety nine point nine percent attendance rate, right? He's the only one missing because he hasn't signed his his. He's not under contract because he hasn't signed his tag, and yet the Raiders went ahead and did him a solid by by switching his number to number eight. So how do you switch somebody's number who's not under contract, blah, 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 whatever. It's, it's again, interesting to me because even Josh McDaniels himself has said that last year he was a, he was a revelation to him because he wasn't used to having that bell cow running back. He was used to the running back by committee. Um, depending upon what kind of contract he gets, if and when he shows up, we'll see how they're going to use him. It's hard to imagine them running him as much as they did last year. Um, I could see him getting, getting more involved in the pass catching game. And that's something that he would want as well. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to say because he's one of the missing ones. Jimmy Garoppolo's not there. Neither is the first-round draft pick, Tyree. So those are three big pieces that they're not having in this offseason, and, and we'll see where they are come training camp. What are your expectations for J.J. in that contract? Everything we hear from Coach McDaniels, I love the kid, love the player, love the guy. He knows how I feel about him, but uh, the contract's not done. And I get it that that's you know, a Dave Ziegler thing as well. But you know, do you think this thing comes together sooner rather than later? I would have thought that he would have signed it by now and just showed up to be with the guys to learn some things and then get, you know, be with his teammates, so to speak. And this is not a shot at him at all. I, right. My prediction would have been that he would have been here for minicamp because you can still, just because you sign it doesn't mean you're locked in. Mm-hmm. You can still negotiate. You can still get your, your, your things, you know, going on that way. And, and the fact that he hasn't signed yet, that to me is like, hmm, okay, something, they're, they're either really far apart or they're just not talking at all right now. The deadline is mid-July, mm-hmm. so again, this is going to be another storyline to keep an eye on, along with Jimmy Garoppolo's foot, along with Tyree Tyree's foot. So, yeah, it, it's it's strange to me, just you know, having covered this team for a while and seeing how things go, that that he didn't sign it just to be here with these with the guys. But that's not a shot either way either. Right, and, and you know, you mentioned Jimmy G. Do you think it's encouraging though for the fan base to know that Jimmy G's been out at the Golden Knights games? He's been seen in public. He looks like he doesn't have any limp, and that doesn't mean he can go out there and play. But at least he's not trying to hide. Yeah, and and it goes back to the whole thing too about how how concerned are the Raiders over the whole thing? And then you know, I made a joke said, well, you know, last week you saw Josh McDaniels, Alfred E. Newman, what me worry, you know, impersonation up there. <laughs> but at the same point. You know, the Raiders were concerned enough that they had him sign that waiver, but they weren't so concerned that they simply walked away from the deal. So the truth is always is somewhere in the middle. So with Tyree Wilson joining the D-line, what do we think the rotation will look like at defensive end? Specifically, how has Chandler Jones looked? Chandler looks really, really thin. He's he lost a lot of weight, and, and he said that was by design. Uh, a lot of it was just that he was simply recovering from his injury that he suffered last year to end his season. 
Um, you know, I would not be shocked if at some point, somehow, some way, you saw all three of those guys out there mm-hmm. on the line at the same time. Because Tyree is just such a huge body, such a big body, that he can, uh, you know, he can affect the pass rusher, and that's what their ultimate goal is, right? So if you're able to get him in there with, with Chandler and with Max, I mean, that's also going to help the, the pass coverage downfield because the quarterback's not going to have as much time to scan the field. So to me, that's their ultimate goal is to get all three of those guys on the field at the same time. One of the themes of the show today was what's the three biggest questions that you have for the Raiders as they head into mandatory minicamp, get it started today. And one of my big questions was who's going to be the most impactful rookie? So when you look at the rookie class, who are you looking at to, to make the biggest impact early? You know, based on, and I hate to go this route, and, and, but it's, it's the most important position in team sports. What if Aiden O'Connell is called into service? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. you're talking about a fourth-round quarterback that, that uh, probably wasn't expecting to do much more than hold a clipboard this year. What if Jimmy isn't ready to go? And what if Brian Horry just doesn't have anything left at 37 oh. years old? And it is on him. Right. So that's the guy I'm kind of looking at. But if we're staying away from the doomsday scenarios, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Michael Mayer does at tight end. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Jared's laughing because that's my that was my pick too. That You're was the my second pick. one to back him up. Yep. Come on, man. Hey, look, man. Hey, great minds think alike, brother. Don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> Don't hate the player, hate the game. I'm with you. I think that Mayor, in a all in a, in the best case scenario, is a threat in the red zone. Helps out with you know moving the sticks offensively, and also could provide a little something something in the in the blocking game as far as the run game goes that wasn't there before. No doubt. And then also in the black hole section of the stadium, you're going to see a lot of, if he's producing, you're going to see a lot of Michael Myers Halloween masks popping up too. So that'll be kind of a little fundraiser too. Yeah, that'll be fun. Who, who, who doesn't like that, right? No doubt about that. Well, Paul, fantastic stuff. Any expectations for tomorrow's mandatory minicamp? We got two more of these. Yeah, just again, hoping that they're a field closer, maybe. Or, you know, that's what I mean. my expectation is I'm going to bring my binoculars tomorrow and uh, sit there and see what I can see. If you don't, if you forget them, don't worry. I got mine in my in my backpack, too. And Jared hasn't stolen my backpack, so I still have oh, it. So. <laughs> awesome. so I'll bring it. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, this week I got kind of like uh, frequently asked questions about the quarterback situation, you know, kind of. It's not necessarily beating a dead horse, but in case you forgot, here's what where the Raiders are in terms of the Jimmy G situation, and and uh, you know just kind of seeing exactly what what the latest is, so to speak, going forward here. Because you know, fans, to me, if if they'd be able to re-sign Jared Stidham, I think there'd, there'd be a lot less angst among the fans. Yeah, uh, because you got you got a guy that that you know showed what he could do in two games of the system and one over the locker room with that hit he took on the touchdown pass at Devontae. But uh, that's. That's neither here nor there. So it's just where are they right now in the situation? And, again, the Raiders are operating as if they have a very little care in the world that they think that Jimmy's going to be ready to go. So that's where we are. You know, I'll tell you, there's a lot of fans out there that wanted uh, Stidham to be the starting quarterback, right? A lot of people called in. A lot of people yeah. chimed in. He should be the starting quarterback. He went off to Denver quick, fast, in a hurry. So that is not an option, but that's a great point that you bring up. A lot of people would be comfortable if Stidham was still on the roster. Paul, fantastic stuff, man. I'll see you out there at the facility tomorrow. I definitely appreciate you. You said a quick, fast, in a hurry. Don't worry. Flavor's vision ain't <laughs> There it is. Paul Gutierrez. He knows what's going down. ESPN.com does a fantastic job with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Definitely appreciate his time. 214 is the time. We'll come back to you. Get to your calls and text 702-365-9200. Don'tbebroke.com. Text line 69187. Keyword R&R. We'd love to hear from you. What are your three biggest questions you have as the Raiders opened up mandatory minicamp today? Mine. One, who's going to be the most impactful rookie? What difference does the year make between the players returning and the coach being in year two? And how much more of the playbook is opened up with Jimmy G under center as opposed to what you saw in 2022? Those are my three. What are yours? This is Radio Nation Radio 920. 702-365-9200. Don't be broke.com. Text line 69187. Keyword r This is unnecessary roughness. Got the questions that I threw out there. What's your... Th- Three biggest questions you have about the Raiders as mandatory minicamp opened up today. We just heard from Paul Gutierrez from ESPN give us his thoughts on day one. Of course, we'll be back out there tomorrow, and then on Thursday I won't be out there as I'll be on the radio again from 12 to 3.30 like we are today as we make way for Aces basketball coming up. Broadcast starts at 3.30, and the first and the tip-off is at 4 o'clock against the Connecticut Sun. So let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Let's talk to our good friend Mitch in New Jersey. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Q? I hope everything's well with you. Fantastic. It's only 80 degrees. I guess that's for you. That's that's, uh, that's, that's the cold front. (laughs) Right? Right? Yep, no doubt. Okay. 
Backup quarterback, backup running back, and I can't wait to see uh, Mayers and, and Renfro. Uh, I like I can't wait to see the offense, you know, get going and put up points. Thanks for taking my call. All right, you know thank- I got to get back to work at FedEx here. Yeah, that's right. Deliver them boxes, brother. I know how it is. It's one of my favorite jobs I had back in the day. Thank you, Mitch. I appreciate you. Uh, that was one of my favorite jobs I had back in the day, Jerry. You have no idea. Oh, I've heard the stories. You had a <laughs> lot of fun. I No, it was. It's I have fun at every job. That's the thing about it. I've never not had fun at a job that I have. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes my employer wishes I didn't have as much fun. But I always had fun at my jobs. I just enjoy being around people. And I've never had a job where I wasn't around people. Right? I mean, I just I just never have. So, being at FedEx, even though it was frustrating at times because I had so many damn boxes to deliver, I literally had a whole city I had to deliver to. I was in charge of one city, right? And it was Tulare, California. I had the whole city was on my watch. I had to cover that. The only thing I didn't do was the outlets because that would have taken me all day. So my boss, Albert, had a huge truck where he just delivered to the outlets, and then that was it. But I delivered to the rest of the city. So I got there early, and I left late. But I knew everybody in town. Right? I mean, could you imagine this city is way too big to be able to do that, but could you imagine you're basically delivering to every business in town? They they're like, Oh, that's the FedEx dude. Oh, there goes Jared. Right. I mean that's yeah. just that's that's fun. So I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, but I'm glad that I'm not doing that now. So <laughs> so it ranks uh it ranks uh third place is FedEx, second place is this job, and then the first one's Kirby salesman. The Kirby sales was fun too. <laughs> Kirby sales was fun, but it was so difficult. So I don't, I don't think, no. Kirby sales was like fourth or fifth on the list. Uh, working at the grocery store was fun. You have yeah. to eat. Working at the grocery store was fantastic. I worked there for seven years, and I ended up in the meat department. I learned a lot, so that was fun, and met a lot of people there. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Um, Radio is obviously number yeah, one for me. Obviously. I mean, that's a that's a no brainer, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, I think every job I've ever had has been fun to some extent. Well, that's I also think that it's a it's a mentality. Like, we're, hey, all day today, it's right. about you know taking taking right. responsibility. If, if you make the job fun, like right. you can you can make any job miserable. Now, I'll tell you, the one job I was not good at, but I still had fun with it, and I obviously didn't last very long, was when I worked at Ola Mills. And that's the portrait company. I don't even know if they're still in business, but I was the telecommunicator, right? I was the guy who tried to sell picture packages. So I literally had to sit there and call. Ooh. And yeah, it was cold calls. I had a big old long list of calls that I had to make. And I always said, at first, until I learned to change my name, I would say, hey, this is Keon from Olin Mills. And they're like, who? Who is this? Who? So I never got past the intro yeah. because they didn't know. They were like, wait, hold on. I don't know. what, And I was like, I know. I'm calling from Olin Mills. It's, and it was the hardest thing. So finally I changed my name and my cousin, or play cousin, but we always called each other the cousin, Chris had a job with me. So he sat right next to me. So I'd call and be like, hey, this is Chris from Olin Mills. And then he'd start laughing. And then all of a sudden I'd start laughing and then they'd hang up on me. So then I tried to change my name like every single time I called. That was my new game. I'm going to change my name every single time. So I called once I was like, hey, this is Jerome from Olin Mills. And then we really started laughing. I couldn't help but to laugh. So then I really failed. So there you go. I wasn't good at that job. I was terrible at that job. The worst job I ever had. Well, okay, so it's kind of a toss-up. I had the most fun because I met my best friend there. But whenever I used to have to, when I was in pharmaceutical manufacturing, and I'd have to go in a negative forty degree freezer for yeah. like three, four hours at a time. Yeah, and I'm moving around like human bio waste. Oh, it, it's just literally yeah. like gross. But that was that was like one of those. Well, this sucks, but at least it all sucks. We all we're all miserable together, right? And then I did uh, the ESPN Sports uh, Net call. Like mm-hmm. we would call you and be like, "Who is currently your favorite football player?" Right? Yeah, that cold calling people is the worst thing in the world. Well, and now I don't even know if that job can exist. I mean, it does, but most people let you know if you don't recognize the number, you let it go to voicemail anyway. I never answer the phone unless I know I'm expecting a call or it's in my phone. Exactly. If it's it's not, like I had someone the other day, and I still to this day don't know who it was, and I'm assuming it's a wrong number, but they sent me like a contact number for some like daycare, and I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, what? Are you, is this how you're breaking the news (laughs) to me? No, it's just like, it was really weird. I was just like, some random, but I get random calls all the time, especially with my number. Yeah. Because it has so many fives and nines in it. It's just so. Don't tell the people that. Somebody's going to start cold calling. I get rando calls anyway, man. I've had the funniest calls, and and sometimes, like I said, it's really funny. Other times, it's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. But I, I get so many weird calls that that's, 
that's always just a straight, you know, straight to voicemail or or whatever. It's just whatever. I'm good. But there you go. So anyway, going back to Mitch's call, <laughs> he mentioned what did he talk about the backup quarterback, the backup running back, and then Michael Mayer. Okay, that's fair. Those are the those are the three positions he's looking looking forward to. I do want to see once Josh Jacobs gets back out there. In all reality, I do want to see how how the offense runs through him this year. Remember last year, it took a while before the Raiders knew who their identity was. And then they established their identity as Josh Jacobs. So is that what it is from the jump? Is it a little bit different? Does it, is it tweaked a little bit? You know, is, is he getting as many carries as he got late in the season and and in the midway of the season? Cause there was a few games early where he barely got any touches. And then all of a sudden when they found out that, Hey, this guy, you should feed him more because he's really sticking good. Then all of a sudden he got a bulk of the carries. So what's it going to look like early? Are they going to kind of, you know, try to get them through the whole season. What, what, I mean, 17-game seasons, 18, 18 weeks is a long time. Well, and you also remember those first couple games, they were like, give it to Devontae! And right? it was like, okay, we get it. You have a new toy, but there's a certain point where you got to, you know, play good while also giving it right. to Devontae. Right. I mean, week one, he had, what, 17 targets, I think? Yeah. I mean, he, he, they fed the hell out of him. And, you know, he, he had, it was a good game except for the fact that Carr threw three interceptions. Right, and, and so that, if you don't have those mistakes, again, shooting yourself in the foot, if you don't have those mistakes, you probably win that game. How many games could you go back to and say, well, if you didn't shoot yourself in the foot here, there, and the other, you probably win that game. So there's, there's so much. Is, it's like the NFL is such a fine line where you're never really as bad as you look, but you're probably not as good as you look either. Right, you're somewhere in the middle. Some teams sometimes they go out and they look phenomenal one week. You're like, man, that team can't, nobody touch that team. And then the next week you're like, eh. Okay, they weren't that great, right? And so I always say, and this is something that Coach McDaniel said last year, he always wants to know who the player is going to be consistently. Yeah. Are you going to be a 7 consistently or are you going to be a 5 consistently? Or are you going to be that dude who's a 10 and then a 5 and then a 6 and then a 3, right? I mean, you can't be that guy. You've got to just tell me who you're going to be. And that's how life is, right? Right. When you have employees, you want to know who's this guy all the time. Like, you ain't got to be a 10 every day. Just give me a 7. Just give me a consistent 7, and I think we're doing okay. Yeah. But if I you mean, ride the wave, if you ride the roller coaster and you're a 10 one day, that's awesome. I'm so happy about that. But then if you're a 2 the next day, it cancels out what you did with the 10. You, you kind of stink. Not really that good. So can, I mean, the Raiders be, can the Raiders this season be a consistent 7? Right? I mean, you know, just don't make as many mistakes. If they eliminate a lot of those mistakes that they had, they're winning games. These one-score games, you win them if you eliminate some of those mistakes that you had. It's shooting yourself in the foot that really causes a lot of the issues. I feel like, and this is obviously your three biggest questions is encapsulated in this. I feel like there are two big what-ifs because if Jimmy G starts and, and you can lean on Josh Jacobs in the run game, I think the team's offense is going to be incredibly successful, except that entire concept hinges on two what-ifs. Right, right. I just uh, realized, and I, I, I didn't realize that, and I guess shame on me, uh, Vinny just tweeted out that uh, Ja'Korian Bennett and Michael Mayer so far, those two guys haven't signed their rookie deals yet. I didn't realize that. I figured all the rookies were already signed, sealed, and delivered. I remember when there was a, a like, boom, 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 boom. They were yeah. all back to back to back to back. And I guess I just got lost track of the fact that uh, Bennett and, and Mayer have not signed their deals yet. Uh, they've both been out there at OTAs. You know, they, they've, they've both been, been present at OTAs, but those are voluntary. So mandatory minicamp, they weren't present today. Well, that's why, because they haven't, they haven't signed their, their deals yet. So mandatory minicamp, you've got to sign uh, your contract to be out there. So nice little nugget uh, pass along for Vinny Bonsignor. Of course, you could check out his work in the RJ. And you could also hear him on the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Clay Baker and Lindsey Brown. Coming up next, we had an opportunity to catch up with Andre James yesterday at the Raiders Roundtable. That's the Raiders Center five years in. You'll hear that conversation next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. 2.33 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness coming up at 3 o'clock. Have my guy John McClain from Sports Radio 610 in Houston talking all things NFL. We'll just scatter shoot as about 9 to 10 teams open up mandatory minicamp today, including the Raiders. So we'll talk all things NFL with John McClain coming up at 3 o'clock. Got a text on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. I just mentioned about Ja'Cory and Bennett and Michael Mayer and the fact they haven't signed their rookie deal. And this text says, hey, Q, what holds or prolongs a rookie contract signing? Is there negotiation issues that go on with the rookies as well? Normally at this stage, and Jared, you could chime in as well, normally at this stage, especially since they have the rookie wage scale and it's all kind of slotted 
normally these things happen pretty quick, fast, and hurry. Like they get done really quickly. Once a couple people sign, then all of a sudden it's just kind of like, all right, this is what your deal is going to look like. This is what it is. Boom, boom. But sometimes, Jared, it's like there's some contract in the language that the the agent or the the player is looking for that's not quite there. But these are usually pretty seamless. So what we typically see when these situations is offsetting language, and that usually pertains to if the player gets cut. So if right. the player gets cut before the end of their rookie contract, within those four-year windows, how much of a percentage of what they were going to make would mm. they get? Yeah. So, so that makes sense. It's normally, and that's, it's normally like hundreds of thousands of dollars, not millions of dollars. Right. And, but that's why you have an agent. To be able to negotiate for that. Right. Like, okay, well, you know, if you blow out your knee and they cut you after X amount of time before you hit your three years, you can at least get this amount. Right, and that, that makes sense for Michael Mayer, who's a second-round pick, a guy who many people expected was going to be a first-round pick. So that could be part of the language that's going on. Ja'Korian Bennett, he was high pick. He was a third-round pick, right? Third? I think I've said fourth-round pick a couple times when I'm talking about him, but I believe he was a third-round pick. I had it all here with me, all on my notes, but, you know, of course I misplaced my notes. But anyway, he was a high pick, and he might very well easily uh, be looking at some language as well. So thank you so much for that text. We do appreciate you. And You're right, fourth-round pick. It was fourth-round pick? Okay, good. 104 overall. Okay, that's what's right. So... Uh, Byron Young was a third round pick for sure. So there's that. So anyway, I, okay, I was, uh, you know what it was? I said fourth round pick earlier. I thought I said that to, to Marcus Mosher and he said third round pick. Or was he talking about Trey Tucker? I think he talked about, no, yeah. I brought up Trey Tucker. Yeah, Trey, Trey was Tuck, a third round pick. He was that's, 100 overall. That's where, I, okay, they were right. Yes, right, because the Raiders picked and then they picked again a couple picks later. So there you go. Uh, all right, appreciate that uh, clarification there from Jared. Got to keep me, got to keep me on the, on the straight and narrow, my man, got to keep me honest. The question that I threw out there, what are your three biggest questions you have about the Raiders as mandatory minicamp opened up today? My three, who will be the most impactful rookie? Maybe we're talking about one in Ja'Korian Bennett. Michael Mayer is the guy that I selected. We were talking about him as well. He doesn't have his contract yet. What difference does a year make for players returning and coach being in year two? And how much more of the playbook is opened up with Jimmy G under center? So those are the three questions that I had. What are yours? Let us know. Again, 69187, keyword r and 702-365-9200. Now, we did have an opportunity to talk to Andre James, a returning center, five years in the league as part of the Raiders roundtable that we had at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, JT, Eric Allen, and myself, and started off the conversation just talking about how it feels to be back in the building. Feeling good, man. Uh, it's you know my fifth time doing this, so uh, just trying to get it to fly by and have fun, man. <laughs> Make it go faster. Yeah, trying to. What about the new players, especially on the O line, and the guys now that you're a veteran, you're trying to break in. Explain to them what happens every day in this building. Yeah, it's going good. We got a couple of new faces, but uh, you know for the most part, we're we're able to return a lot of guys, which is you know really exciting. It's, it doesn't happen all the time, so we're just super excited to build on pretty much how we finished last year running the ball, and you know teach some of the younger guys that. Coming up in that room, and uh, yeah, we're excited. We got a really good room. How important is that to build that continuity? You know, you, you guys really established it about halfway through the season, and they were able to go the rest of the way. To know that those guys are coming back, you guys are all, all able to be on the same page early. Yeah, right. You know, building that, especially as a position like O line, right? Having that, having that, um, you know, familiarity. You know, playing with guys you haven't played with a lot. It's 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 really important. So we're excited. Yeah. yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that room. Like the offensive lineman's room is always different. You know, as a corner, you know, I'm yeah. walking from lunch, going through. You walk past the offensive line room. You guys are in there. It's dark. You guys are <laughs> cracking jokes and stuff. Talk to us a little about the makeup of the offensive line room. You know, what I mean, we we got a we got a lot of big personalities in there. Yeah. It, it makes it makes it, it makes it fun. Right. So when we get together, it's there's always going to be good food uh-huh. when we're around. There's always going to be snacks. There's always going to be jokes being cracked. A lot cracked. of snacks, so, right? Yeah, a lot of snacks. And we make sure the rookies are still on top. That. Your so. conditioning looks great. What's changed from last off season here? What have you been working on? Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, I work. I stay here pretty much all off season. Right. I work with uh, AJ Nival and his crew. They do a fantastic job of you know keeping us in shape. Uh, the workouts are amazing. So I'm I'm pretty much been with him my whole career since I'm a Raider. And you know him and his staff are amazing. Uh, tops or hats off to them. You know you got this building. You mentioned being here all off season. How nice is it to have this building where you can do that? Be here all off season and really right. get the work and everything you need. You know, I tell I I try to get as much of the younger dudes I can to be like, hey, this is a great place to be. Um, free food, 
You're not paying for training. Like what? You're in Vegas. What else? What, what, what else could you need? So I mean, this I, I love being here all off season. It's, it's great. My guy. Yeah. <laughs> if it ain't free, it ain't me, right? Exactly. Hundred percent. That's me all day. Yeah. Every, every off season, like all the players, you have something that you want to work on, right? right. What, what was it this year for you that you wanted to to get better at? I think for me, uh, just being able to understand the offense, I think, was, oh, okay. is, a, is a big thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, on a mental side, especially as a center, uh, yeah. th- it was a lot coming in. Uh, it, was, it was it was just different coming in okay. you know, to the system. And so to be able to build on that as like how we finished last year and understanding the system more uh, is, is really big for me. Okay, to follow up, don't give us any secrets, but <laughs> like how was that different from, you know, one specific – because people think you're just snapping the ball, right? right? But this system, totally different from the previous system, and right. how kind of? You know what I mean? It, it's different. So I, I, in the last system, I was in charge of a lot of the mic calls and, and a lot of maybe the redirection calls as far right. as, like, pass protection. Yeah. This it, it is a lot more on the quarterback as far as mic protection, but uh, the the fronts and understanding the idea, is, there's still a lot on the center. And, and, okay. And communication and being able to get it out quicker mm-hmm. is, is very important. Okay. Yeah. Now, a lot of people say that, and I think it's true, that Jim Otto is one of the greatest football players of all time, one of the most important Raiders ever to play. Mm-hmm. You're a center, and I know there's a lot of history in this building but Dave Dalby the other centers who played the position the history that you're now taking in because that's what you do here mm-hmm. when you hear about Jim Otto pops he's in the building he's in a wheelchair but he continues to come out here on game day what does that mean to you well I mean it means a lot honestly uh we had an alumni day uh two days you know ago and it, it was so great to be around these guys and you know kind of pick their brains about you know what was their mentality about going in the game and it, it was awesome that was the first time you know we've really done something like that and to see all these legendary dudes coming and just be able to talk to them and just you know get their feedback what what they thought you know their mindset like what i was saying it, it was awesome now, they so. got the drone hold on a second for those who are watching listening we have the drone we're bringing everything in. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hearing the drone i'm yeah. hearing it but those Somewhere legends those, those those alumni they were out there at otas and they were able to observe practice and, and some of the media and, uh, and myself was out there you guys look like you're moving around to station to station a lot faster it seems like there's more tempo than there was a year ago what's yeah. been different from otas this year as opposed to last year? Uh, you know, I think understanding, we have a lot of returning players, but like I was saying, especially on the O-line, now we're able to, I think, understand the drills and understand, like, uh, the techniques and stuff, what these coaches are asking. So we're able to move around because we're more confident. We understand the drills a little yeah. more. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's a little different when you're just out there for the first time. Like, I don't know where the hell I'm going. So it, it's, a lot, it's a lot better now. Right. You know, we're able to move around a lot better. You guys had the league-leaning rusher last year yeah. i mean how do you how do you back that up coming back this year you know it's hard but uh, <laughs> you can only want to duplicate it again yeah, you know what i mean right. it, it was an awesome job i thought josh it, it made our job easier blocking for a dude like that uh-huh. you want to block for a guy like that who, who's going to hit it downhill he's going to hit a fast it's it, it's fun so you know what i mean we're just going like i said we're just going to keep trying to build on what we you know we try to finish on last year and just keep going man yeah when does a moment like that hit with you statistically you want to win every game we know that. But all of a sudden, there's some chirping going on. It's week 12, 13. We got the leading rusher. We know we're going to get a gift if we finish this year. I mean, when does it start coming around that you have so much pride and honor and you want to get him to the finish line? That is a great achievement, single achievement record to have every year for a running back. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And especially for offensive line, you want to be able yes. to run the ball. That's that's <laughs> offensive <laughs> lineman's mindset because then it makes it makes the pass pro a lot easier when they're having to worry about play action and all that stuff. So it, it's fun. I mean, that's what offensive linemen you want to you want to hang your hat on is that that rushing title. So take take us back to Seattle with the walk off run from Jacobs, <laughs> the long run. You as a center, yeah. you're, you're seeing 28. All you oh, see yeah. is his back of his jersey. <laughs> that was. I'll tell you what, man. That was, it was a long game, and uh, I think that was like honestly like one of the first drives we had. It, and, uh, you know, I I, I, was, I remember just blocking my guy, and I, I saw him hit that hole. And he just I just saw his back, and he was running. And I, I was like, please don't get caught. Please don't get caught. Please don't get caught. And, you know, he housed it, and it was the rest was history. Yeah. So was For a center, what's the highlight moment of a game? Like, when you're going to the game, what's a highlight moment for you as a center? Uh, you know what? I think um, whenever you're able to communicate – communicate clearly and everyone's working on the same page mm-hmm. that that's the best part because you know like i said a lot
lot is a lot is on the center and to have all those five guys on the same page as far as the blocking scheme and everything that's that's what you can kind of hang your hat on as a center so a Vegas question. We've asked all the guys this. You saw the Golden Knights the other night. I was with you for that. That was mm-hmm. Stanley Cup game one. Oh, yeah, awesome game. And you got a spread. And you're watching it. And then you see Alumni Day was amazing, the dinner that you were a part of and all that. What's changed for you in Vegas now that you have roots in this city? What What do you like about the community? Man, I, I really love this city. You know, I, I've been here since we first moved here, originally in Oakland for a year. But uh, the city showed a lot of love, and we, we felt that right when we got here. Um, it's been awesome. They definitely opened uh, opened us with welcomings. So, uh, man, it, it's awesome. We we love. There's a lot of good food. There's always something to do here. <laughs> yeah. So, as offense line, you gotta love the the food that's in this yeah. city. It yeah, can't be mad about that. Dining in Vegas. <laughs> it always gets back to the food, right? Yeah, always. Yeah. Back to the food. I feel like I've been talking about it for all these damn meetings. So. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So, as we wrap this up, expectations this year. You guys had a real chip last year because you were working out the rotation. You were in it, but it was six, seven guys going into the preseason. You bring in some younger guys that you guys being familiar with each other. What's the message for the fans coming off six wins to know you could turn this around really quickly with an explosive offense? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're just coming to work every day with, with a mindset of just getting better. So, I mean, that's what we do. We just have a bunch of workhorses every day that are just coming in here. We're pushing each other. Um, I can speak to the offensive line room. It, it, it's a great room, and we're all, we're willing to work and willing to put in, you know, whatever it takes, you know, to to be better and to do what it what it needs to take, man. So I'm excited. So there you go. There it was Andre James and a delay. Hundred <laughs> percent on me. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here telling. Oh, you're uh, talking outside the studio, and Jared's talking, and then all of a sudden, nothing. I'm distracting the host of the show. And literally my whole job is to make sure that the show goes on. No, no worries. No worries. That was Andre James right there from Raiders Roundtable, JT, Eric Allen, and myself. And I thought it was a lot of good stuff from Andre. And he he even said that he wasn't a big fan of doing interviews before we did it, but he was great. Fantastic. And I just love it. He has a great personality, man. So it was was fun to to be able to talk to Andre James and and everyone else that we got a chance to chop it up with uh, on the Raiders Roundtable for uh, Raiders Content Day. I thought that that was a lot of fun. 2.46 at the time. Take a quick break. Come back. Get to your calls and texts. And uh, remember, at the top of the hour, 3 o'clock, John McClain from Sports Sports Radio 610 in Houston will join the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Coming up at the top of the hour, John McClain, gallerysports.com. Talk all things NFL, fingers crossed. Hoping to effort him. Hoping that uh, our phones that just did something in the commercial break just kind of blinked at us. It always makes me nervous. <laughs> so we will see. I'm tasking Jared with the tough job of making sure everything goes smoothly. So we'll see how that goes. Jared, no pressure. But John McClain is my favorite guest of the week. I'm just throwing throwing that out there. But did ask the question on the don'tbebroke.com text line about the three biggest questions you have when it comes to the silver and black. As mandatory minicamp got underway today, uh, got some good feedback on the don'tbebroke.com text line. Uh, One has nothing to do with the questions. This one's about, well, fun jobs. And we talked about our fun jobs that we have. Uh, This one's from the 209Q. I'm an electrician now, and I'm doing fairly well for myself. But the most fun I had is when I worked at Panda Express for five years, learned a lot, and truly enjoyed working there. I wouldn't go back for obvious reasons, but yeah, haha, good times. That's from the 209. And it's funny, I, I forgot that I did. I worked at Taco Bell. That was my first job, Taco Bell, and I learned a lot. <laughs> Just like that texture said, I learned a lot. I learned a lot there. That was a fun job, too, but yeah, I wouldn't go back there either. You know what's funny is when I worked at Wendy's, that was actually like one of those where I was like, oh, Okay, you guys actually do all the like the amount of cleaning that I had to do and like all the stuff. I was like, oh, I've heard horror stories. That's funny. I'm I'm spending ninety percent of my time wiping stuff with like with bleach. Right. No, uh, my buddy Daniel, he used to work at McDonald's when he was obviously super young. And man, we used to have the hook up. We'd go in there with like five bucks, and he would load up a bag with everything. Everything we had two, we had number twos. We had uh, milkshakes. This is when I could drink milkshakes. They're gonna have McNuggets. We had fries. We had everything. Right, man. It was like five bucks. We had we had the homeboy hookup from from McDonald's. Man, that was great. That was good times. Now, you know, not so much. But it's it is what it is. Uh, thank you for that text. That's good stuff. Mailman Raider said again the don'tbebroke.com text line six nine one eight seven keyword on our queue. I think Trey Tucker will have an impact when he's on the field. Can't teach speed, and that's what this O was missing last year. Obviously, others will have a bigger impact, but taking the top off the defense will be huge this year. Also, it opens up for other wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. So in that aspect, a pretty big impact. 
I can I can see that. Uh, and he does have speed. I want to see how he's brought along in this offense and if he's even brought along in this offense like this year. Right? Again, I think a lot has to do with what happens with uh, Hunter Renfro. Uh, again, I think that there's really no reason at this stage of the game to move on from Hunter Renfro or trade him. I, I just don't see where the value is there. I think he's going to be a really good piece to this offense. And I think that Trey Tucker's speed could be added to that element. So uh, I'm interested to see how that that dynamic works out. But if you can get that guy on the field, just like Philip Dorsett, we heard from Paul Gutierrez, he had a really nice catch. He said one of the nicest catches he saw, you know, a deep ball from Brian Hoyer. He's got that speed. Trey Tucker is the guy that has that speed for the long haul. Like Philip Dorsett is, you know, I would say probably at the back nine of his of his career. He told us when he was introduced to the media, though, hey, I'm still fast, right? I can still run fast. So, you know, I might be a little bit older, but I can still run fast. So I look at Trey Tucker as that guy, so there's always – that speed element, you know, a guy like Jacoby Myers who could play in the slot, he's not fast, but he finds ways to get open. He always is getting open. So that's that's always a positive there. So, yeah, Trey Tucker could definitely bring some of that speed element to the Raiders' offense. And that, that'll – That'll be a good look if uh, if they're able to get him on the field and see how he can he can impact the offense, even on jet sweeps or you know just end of rounds. Just get him the ball, get him in space, and see what he can do. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray, hit us up. Uh, don't be broke. dot com text line six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Then we'll take a break. Q, aka Old School, <laughs> and Jared. Good afternoon. Gentlemen, fantastic interview with Paul Gutierrez. I absolutely love his insight for our Raiders. Raider Nation is lucky to have his professionalism on a daily basis. Good topic for today's shows. My questions are, will our offense be more aggressive in the red zone? How much playing time will our rookie tight end Meyer uh, play? And I finally want to know about the defense. Are they going to be able to cause turnovers? Shout out to your Golden Knights for another win to go up 2-0. I think the cup is on its way to Vegas. I have to ask, what's your take on the PGA and the Live turn, uh, tournament, uh, the Live live, uh, live Golf merging? That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And uh, Yeah, the PGA and Live, I, I was shocked by that. When I saw that, I was that was the last thing I thought was going to happen. But I guess at the end of the day, money rules everything, right? I guess if you have enough money, you can find a way to make things work. I'm super shocked that the PGA and the Live Tournament are uh, are coming together, and I'm sure that's something I'll be talking about quite a bit uh, later on this evening. Thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Coming up next, we kick off uh, the last hour of the show. We'll have John McClain, Sports, Sports Radio 610. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Well, no John McClain. Sports Radio 610. I guess I'll have to wait till next Tuesday to get John on. Sorry for that. Got a text from El Paso Raider. Yo, what's good, Q? John McClain is my favorite guest. True OG. I'd like to pick his brain on all things, on all aspects of the NFL. Respect. I would too, El Paso Raider. Apologize for that. It worked well for the longest. Mitch in New Jersey. That was a fantastic call. You were the last one. I don't know what happened during the commercial break when the phones lit up and then they went dark. And they stayed dark. So at ho- some point, we hope to get them back up. So uh, we'll go and we'll make a pivot because that's what we do. Keep our head on a swivel. We'll just do what we got to do. So the don'tbebroke.com text line, you can chime in that way at any point of the show at 69187, keyword r You can chime in on the, co- on the conversation that we've been having about your three biggest questions about the Raiders as mandatory minicamp opened up today or any other subject that you'd like to talk about. My most... Are my three biggest questions I had. Who's going to be the most impactful rookie this year? What difference does a year make for players returning and coaches being in year two? And how much more of the playbook is going to be opened up with Jimmy G under center? So those are the three questions that I have. We'd love to get your feedback, and I apologize for the phone lines not being open right now, but the text line is 69187, keyword r So in the meantime, in between time, we'll go back to some Josh McDaniel sound that we had from uh, earlier that we didn't finish up. We got to... A couple of the sounds of just what's going on with the upcoming OTAs and everything like that, but didn't get into any specific players or any position groups. A little while ago, we heard from Andre James, the center. Of course, they helped lead the league, uh, helped lead Josh Jacobs to lead the league in rushing in 2022. So he was asked about the stability of the offensive line. 
I think they know more as a group. Um, if you talk to them, a lot of the guys are returning. So um, they have a, a, an ability. Again, we talked about this last week. Improvement doesn't necessarily come through acquisition. Um, you know, our jobs as coaches are to improve the players each day. And so I think as a unit, as a group, those guys, um, their communications improved. Um, their overall understanding of what's being asked of them has improved. Um, they work cr like crazy, so uh, we couldn't ask anything more than what we're getting from them in that regard. So um, love their attitude, love their mindset. Um, I think we're, we're, we're doing the same thing because offensive linemen, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, don't get to necessarily work beside the same guy every rep all season long. So they're learning their teammates. They're getting comfortable communicating with one another, which is an important aspect of this time of the year. Um, and hopefully all of them are growing. You know, and the one thing about the offensive line, I think this is so important that the majority of these guys are coming back and they have that continuity from a year ago. During training camp, during OTAs, they don't get to hit anybody, right? They're not hitting no. anybody. I mean, they, they literally are going through drills, but it's no massive contact. Of course, when they put the pads on, there's some contact, but it's not what it, what it used to be, right, where you're actually blocking. You're basically blocking air. You're blocking to an area, right? Instead yeah. of instead of man on man. They're not doing that. They get a little bit of that rep in, in preseason, but they're not getting a whole lot, so they've got to have that continuity. They've got to understand, just like Andre James said, you know, they're a different room. You know, they, they got to know what the, the, the right side of them's doing, the left side of them's doing. They always, you know, are like a band of brothers. They've got to be that way. I mean, they've really got to do that if they're going to be one cohesive unit. And again, they help Josh Jacobs lead the league in rushing, so obviously they're really good at run blocking. Do they? Do I think they need to improve in pass blocking? Absolutely. I think that that you know that that's that's very important, especially with Jimmy G behind center, a guy that you know well he's banged up right now, so you don't want to set him up for failure as well. Sticking with the offensive line, how about Thayer Mumford and Dylan Parham? Those were two guys out of their draft class from 2022 who did get some burn. Right? They didn't get. I mean, they they got they got a lot more burn than the rest of the draft class did. Parham got the majority of it, but Mumford still got in on about. 34% of the snaps. So uh, here's Josh McDaniels talking about the progress that they are Mufford and Dylan Parham. I would say they just they probably would tell you that they 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 know they're they're starting from a higher ground. Um, they know they know more than they did last year at this time. Certainly, um, I think both of them have changed. Um, you know, physically, uh, some they've been in an off-season program now, a full off-season program here. Um, they understand more what it requires of them to go through an entire 17-game season plus three preseason games and not have your body, you know, feeling the way that I'm sure most rookies feel at the end of the year. So um, there's a lot of things that they um, know now that they didn't last year. Um, again, we're going to need to see a lot of those guys translate those things in August where they can actually hit people, block, et cetera, pass, protect. So there's a lot that we haven't been able to see, but I really like the way that they're working. And you got to feel pretty comfortable in those two guys anyway. I mean, even Mumford as a seventh-round pick got some pretty good burn. What I'm excited about when it comes to Mayer, when he's out there, a lot that you saw from Thayer Mumford a season ago, he come in on that jumbo package and you knew that he wasn't going to get the ball. So you knew he was in there to block, where I believe that Mayer could be that guy where he's in there on the jumbo package. He's helping out blocking, but he's also a receiving threat. So that's going to help. But I do want to see how Munford is put into the mix. You know, where, where is he at? Because I think that he has a bigger role than just the jumbo package. I really do. Uh, we'll see where it's at. But again, like you just heard, they're not really going to be able to see anything until they put some pads on, they're able to make some contact, they get into the preseason and prepare for the, the regular season. I think those two guys have a nice role with the Raiders on that offensive line in 2023. One guy who was getting some burn, got injured in the preseason, and never never returned is Brandon Parker. They re-signed him. I know Raider Nations aren't big fan of Brandon Parker uh, for good reason. He's, uh, you know, he, he's been very questionable at best. I think he's probably a good rotational piece. They've worked him on the right. They've worked him on the left. But, um, you know, what is he going to do for the depth? How, how far along can he help this offensive line? And, and do the Raiders have some belief in him? And it sounds like they do. Here's Coach McDaniels talking about Brandon Parker. He's a, uh, first of all, he's a great human being. And, um, you know, and you, these are the kind of guys you want to have in your locker room. Um, they they help everybody. Um, you know, he works his butt off. He sh he sets a great example for others. Um, he's improved significantly in a, in his own ways in the weight room this this off season, um, which is a tribute to him and the type of work ethic that he has. And you know, came back from the injury last year, uh, which took a while. You know, for an offensive lineman to do that, and then really has had an impressive off season. 
Um, you know, very unselfish, understands, like tackles, we, we use them both at left and right, um, you know, just to give him, you know, the opportunity to, to compete at all those spots and uh, embraces his role, embraces his opportunities, helps his teammates, communicates well with others. Uh, just a good pro, you know, and um, it was unfortunate that that happened last year because we were right, right, kind of starting the competition, if you will, but excited for Brandon to have an opportunity to insert himself in there and see where it goes. So it sounds like he'll be part of a competition. Again, I don't, I'm not real high on Brandon Parker. I think that he's a good rotational piece as far as depth goes, but he's not a guy that I look at as, oh, he's going to be a starter, right? Or he's, yeah. he's going to be that guy that you look at as a, as a solid uh, right tackle. I, I, I don't see that happening, but I do think for depth purposes, and you can never really have enough depth, especially along the offensive line, I think that he could end up being something. But he's, obviously, you heard right there, he's got to go out there and earn it. So the offensive line, you know, it's a little bit more stable than it was at this time last year at Probably a lot more stable than it was at this time last year. But there's still work to have to be done with Thayer Munford, Dylan Parham, Brandon Parker, and anyone else, right? They they drafted a, or they signed a couple undrafted free agents that they're pretty high on. Those guys can end up playing a role. Uh, they brought in some guys as free agents that can play a role. And there's different elements to the offensive line that you, you'll see during training camp to see who's going to end up you know, really like like what the depth chart's going to look like. Again, I feel pretty confident that we know who the starting five is going to be. But after that, or at least who they – are going to start out to be, right, heading into training camp. We'll see how it all shakes out. How about 37? And why do I say 37? Because Tyler Hall was a guy that came on. He wasn't He wasn't the guy that started out the season with the Raiders, but he would all of a sudden pop up and make a play, and everyone's like, who the hell's 37? Who's th- that's why I called him that, because that's what people would say. Like, Who's 37? Oh, man, that's Tyler Hall, right? I mean, that, that was the thing. It's like, who, who is that guy? What's he out there doing? He's a guy that got to the quarterback. He sacked the quarterback, came up with some uh, big plays. I think he had a, a fumble recovery or, or caused a fumble. He just seems like a guy, and again, didn't play with the Raiders all season long, but just seemed like a guy that had a knack for being around the ball. And that, to me, and maybe just me, is very, very important. A guy that can get around the ball and, and, and have an impact. Well, here's Coach McDaniels talking about the progress of Tyler Hall. Again, Tyler was a guy we got a little later, and so you know, being able to be here and understand the entire offseason, um, you know, the defense in its entirety, um, really have an opportunity to experience every day uh, in the offseason. I think is is great for young players. Um, Tyler is very diligent. He works really hard. He's smart. He knows his job. He knows really how his job fits in the whole entire context of the team. Um, very competitive, uh, as you saw last year. You know when he got in there, like he made an impact right away in certain ways, and um, I, I, I expect nothing different this year. You know he's a, a very competitive player that made an impact for us on our roster last year, and I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Competition. That's that's what it's all about, right? A lot of these guys is just competition at all positions, and that's a good thing, right? I mean, if if you go into training camp and, and preseason, say, okay, well, uh, I know that. They're top heavy, but they don't have they don't have really a deep roster. They don't have guys that are competing in training camp. Then then you're going to be again you're going to be top heavy and you're going to lack that depth. And that's what that's something that's been biting the Raiders. I feel like for a few years now, especially with their lack of success in the draft, they just don't have the 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 deep talent pool. They just, they have guys that are again good guys at the starter position, but the backups are really backed up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. not – they're not – they're guys where you feel real confident where, okay, if this guy's out, then all of a sudden this guy's going to step up and make a big impact. You just don't see it. So you've got to get that talent. It's also – it's not the guys that you're like, yeah, you're going to – you're the starter, you're going to play 85% of the snaps, but we're going to bring them in every once in a while to, you know, get you some rest. It's one of those, no, no, you're playing 100% of the snaps because we're scared. Right. There's facts. There's facts. So uh, they've got to be able to have that uh, that that talent pool and, and the depth there, and they've got to have some good competition in training camp. And I know mandatory minicamp is all that's going on right now, but you've got to be able to have that kind of that kind of competition. Now we heard from Devon Diablo earlier. Uh, Paul Gutierrez talked about Devon Diablo. Here's Coach Josh McDaniels talking about Devon Diablo and his progress. You know, Devon's. I mean. He's a, a really, a really, I'm fond of Divine. Um, I think he knows that, and, and uh, we're, we're, we've given him a lot of responsibility. Um, you know, he's wearing the green dot, you know, in practice, which is obviously a, um, a role that, uh, you know, young players, once they, once they have that on their shoulders, now they're responsible for more than just their job. You know, they're, they have to communicate to everyone else. Um, they have to be alert and aware of situational football. 
um, because they're essentially the quarterback of the defense once you have that responsibility. So uh, Devine's grown every, literally every week uh, since I've seen him and known him. Um, he works really hard at the game of football. I think he's embraced this year as a year that, you know, is a growth year for him. Um, not only on the field in terms of what he does on the field, but also how he can impact others. And I think that's something that you see from him every day. Coach McDaniel's right there talking about Devon Diablo, big swole. Big call him big swole. He's he's gained some weight, gained some muscle. Uh, J- Jared, you saw him. You saw him on on the video when he was at the uh, at the podium. He he looked pretty big, huh? Yeah, no, it was it was kind of uh, charming. He actually had to bend at the waist to get into the like to get to the microphone. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he was like, I'm 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 too tall for the dais. Um, could could we put the Normally, you got to put someone on a box in order for them to get to the to height. To the mic, yeah, yeah. They, they had to bring in. They had to. He had to get down to the mic, huh? That's what you're saying. Okay, that'll work. Well, he he. I'll tell you right now, man. He he's a guy that I feel like could be a player. Uh, he's got to stay healthy. Uh, he was a really he was really good at, at tackling a year ago. Uh, you know, he was leading most of the games in tackles. He just got injured and wasn't able to return. So it's interesting. He's got the green dot. Uh, all the linebackers have been told to ho- hold on to the green dot or be prepared for the green dot. That's a lot of responsibility there. Robert Spillane is a guy that's looking at the green dot. Want to see how that linebacking room, how it really develops. And so Devon Diablo uh, looks like he could play a major role. We just got a couple more sound bites for you. And this was on the undrafted players and, and the way that Coach McDaniels and, and the rest of the staff really approach them. And the thing about it is, and he said it, like more than half the roster is undrafted guys, right? It's not a bunch of first-round picks, second-round picks, third-round picks. It's guys that have been undrafted. You remember last season how many undrafted free agents actually made the 53-man roster? It was like all of them. All, all the guys that, that they really brought in and, and took a good look at, it was like four or five guys, all made the, the roster as undrafted free agents. So here's Coach McDaniels talking about the players and, and their approach to, ta- uh, to talking to them. Well, the, first of all, there's no way to put your roster together and have, you know, 80 80- you know, first, second, and third round draft picks, you know. So um, your team is going to consist of a lot of different players that got to your roster in a lot of different ways. And so I just we, – we tell them from the beginning, you know, we, we're all Raiders now. This is 2023. We're all Raiders. It doesn't really matter how you got here. What matters is what you do once you're here. And to me, the best thing for us as coaches is to put the best 11 out there, not look at the status – how we acquired them, what round they were drafted in, what their salary says. Because if we're always trying to put the best 11 out there, then we're doing the right thing for the Raiders. Um, If we're looking at other factors and playing the political game, that can get real, you know, you're just not putting the best team on the field always. It might end up that way. um, But, you know, there's obviously this league has a long history of players that were drafted fifth, sixth, seventh round or beyond. Um, when the draft was longer and and undrafted and like I said we have a number of players on our team that have had you know good early careers that weren't drafted and in some like Brandon Bolden what is this year 12 or 13 I mean he wasn't drafted you know so um, everybody has the the same opportunity everybody's going to get reps and we're going to coach them all the same and 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 I think that's a good thing if you're a player you want to hear that you know that hey the opportunity is the same for me as it is for somebody that was drafted a lot earlier than I was um, and hopefully we do the right thing and, and pick the right players. Coach McDaniel's talking about undrafted players and their opportunity that they have with the silver and black and how many are on the roster right now as undrafted free agents. And it doesn't matter. I think that's the biggest key. It doesn't matter how you arrived on the team. It's just a matter that you're there and what you do with it afterwards. And that's something that I've always said about even jobs. Like it doesn't really matter how I fell into a job. It's just a matter what I do once I get the job. Right, and so that's that's what the most important thing is. So these guys, now that they're there, they've got the helmet, they've got the key card, they're in at practice. They've got to go and prove why they're there and show why they should stick around. Final soundbite from Coach McDaniel's from his presser earlier today here on Radio Nation Radio Nine Twenty Unnecessary Roughness is about the players going out to the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights are up two zero in the Stanley Cup Finals. A lot of them, a lot of them, led by Jimmy G, have been out there the last couple of games. We saw uh, Devontae Adams, Jared, last night. You yeah. hit me up and we're like, "Hey, do I need to pull that sound from Devontae getting interviewed there at the game?" And it was so loud, I didn't get to hear Devontae. I saw him, but it was so loud, I couldn't hear him. No, that was actually. He the whole interview is him being like, "What? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know exactly." What? So, and so I was like, "I don't really want to pull this." No, I mean, there's and there's again, there's a lot of players from the Raiders that have been out there supporting the Golden Knights. So here's Coach McDaniel's talking about that support from the players for VGK. Yeah, I, I mean it's obviously a very exciting time for Las Vegas, and 
um, you know, being in this town now with multiple pro sports teams and, um, and seeing them have success and supporting them the way that we're trying to do that. I know a number of our players were there Saturday and now a number of them were there last night. Um, I think it's just, you know, I think they get excited, you know, when they see, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do, you know, and we all know what we're trying to build here and the type of success we're looking to, to have and, and hopefully sustain. So um, I think it's been incredible uh, to be able to support them and witness it. Um, I'm not going to say it's not over yet. You know, it's not over yet. They got two to go, and, and Coach Cassidy would be the first one to say that. But um, I think our guys have, have really taken to it. So there you go, 2-0 for the Vegas Golden Knights. They need two more wins, two more dubs, and there'll be a parade here in Las Vegas, and that'll be a lot of fun, and the city is buzzing right now with the success that the Golden Knights are having as they're a couple games away from winning the Stanley Cup Finals. 317 is the time. We'll take our final break, come back, get to some of these texts. we got plenty of texts, no calls, but we got plenty of texts. 69187, keyword R&R, and then we'll pass the sticks on to T.C. Martin for the Aces and Sun. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Only have a couple minutes left in today's show. Then we'll make way for the Las Vegas Aces as they take on the Connecticut Sun. Tip-off will be at 4 o'clock, but the broadcast begins at 3.30. So we only got a couple minutes to get to the text line real quick, fast, and in a hurry. The don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Mailman Raider said, the black guy in the tan jacket stole the landlines, Q. You can't take Jared anywhere. <laughs> That's I, a good funny. No, that is actually fantastically true. Every right. time you and I get together, I somehow break something. So, <laughs> lesson learned. Keep Jared far away from me. Oh, I'm fun to hang out with until I break something. Right. Well, exactly. So, there you go. There's that. I uh, got a quick text from Poncho. He said, what up, Q? Poncho here. I'm with you with uh, Michael My- or with uh, Michael Mayer's potential having a huge role this season. I don't see Jimmy G throwing a lot of deep balls, so I expect a lot of running with Jacobs and a lot of quick throws to our wide receivers. A lot of bobbing and weaving will happen in this year, so I fully expect Hunter Renfro to stay and also be a big part of this offense this year. Thank you so much for that. And then one more from Sir Whiskey Ray to close out. Q, speaking of fun jobs, back in the day, I absolutely loved working at Musicland, which turned into Sam Goody. Selling CDs, cassettes, tapes, uh, posters, and VHS movies. Oh, man. Talk about going back in time. Also, working for the San Jose front office, Sabercats front office for a few seasons was my first gig in sports. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And that's going to do it for today's show. Is that a wrap? Oh, we got 30 seconds? Okay. I didn't know how much time I had. I'm hearing the music. I'm thinking I only had like 10 seconds. Oh. So there you go. Um, yeah, so there anyway. To end the show on a weird note because everything else has gone weird, why the hell not? All right, so there it is. The Aces and Sun are up next. We'll be back tomorrow at the regular time, 2 to 5 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. TC's up next.